I know you've heard a story or read a story from time to time, and as you finished reading it, you cocked your head a little bit and said, hmm, something's not right here. There's something not being said here. I read between the lines. There's uh, something i got to hear the rest of the story before I can really understand this. In some ways, this little healing passage in John's Gospel affects me the same way. When I read it, I scratch my head and say, Wait a minute here. It may not be exactly as it appears. Jesus approaches this man who has been ill for 38 years. He walks up to him and senses something in him that perhaps um, others don't sense. Jesus had the capacity to do that, and we hear it and understand that as he approaches other people like Zacchaeus and the woman at the well and, and many others. And he asks a simple question. Do you want to be healed? And I'm sure there were people who stood around and said, well, that's a silly question to ask. Do you want to be healed? A man's been sick for 38 years and an invalid. He's been here at this pool waiting to be healed for all these years. Certainly he wants to be healed. Who wouldn't want to be healed? Just a question raises a little antenna in my head. It's not, do you want me to heal you now? Or... Can I heal you? But the question is, do you want to be healed? There's little doubt that all of us have some sort of disease in our life, some illness, some physical illness, some that may characterize itself in physical complaints, sores, hurts, arthritis, whatever. And there's no doubt that all of us have from time to time some emotional illness that comes our way, anxiety or depression. And also, spiritually speaking, there is a dis-ease in our lives from time to time. It may be fear or doubt, or some temptation takes us over. And so the question is not, are you sick? The man knew he was sick, and we all sense our own dis-ease and illness from time to time in a variety of ways. But the question Jesus asked this man was, do you want to be healed? That's the question I throw out at you as well. You say, well, who doesn't want to be healed? Well, all of us who work with people on a professional level, for that matter, everybody who has any sense of compassion at all recognizes that you want to help people. We all want to rescue people. That's what it's often called in psychological jargon, that there's a need for rescue. And therapists and pastors are certainly among those, medical people, teachers, uh, mothers, everybody really has this need to help people when they fall in the ditch, to rescue them. But it doesn't take you too long when you help people, especially if you do it on a professional level, to recognize that there are a lot of people who just don't want to be rescued. I mean, it's hard to understand that, and it's hard to take that as someone who has this deep rescue need in you. You want to help people, and you're there to grappling with them problems. And sometimes they say they want to be rescued, but they really don't want to be rescued. If you don't believe that, then I ask you to go to some addiction unit in the hospital or some uh, place where they treat addiction, particularly alcohol, but any kind of addiction. And there will be people who will tell you they want to be healed, but they really don't. So the question comes to you again. Do you really want to be healed? And you might throw that question back at me. Well, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to be healed, Kirk? 
And I scratched out a couple of answers here. Well, I, some people don't want to be healed because they enjoy being unhealthy. Now, you know some people like this. If the hand isn't hurting, the foot's hurting. And the foot's not hurting, their head's hurting. And if the head's not hurting, it's the shoulder. And somehow it just creeps all around them. They don't realize how transparent they are. I mean, we see them and know them, and we often ignore them. They get something out of this. They get attention. They get pity. Sometimes they get anger because we distance ourselves from people like that. Sometimes they like the isolation. But they get something from this. They always have a headache but never take an aspirin. They enjoy their illness. There are other people who enjoy their illness because somehow they feel like this is a rightfully deserved pain in their life because they really have no value. They deserve it. They walk around physically, emotionally, and spiritually sort of hump-shouldered. They are bearing this burden, whatever it is, physical, emotional, or spiritual, because they really don't deserve any better. Not many people, but there are some people like that. Others might want to remain ill either mentally, physically, or spiritually. We're talking about that kind of illness, all the full range now, because... To become healthy forces them into some patterns of behavior that they really are unfamiliar with. And that's sort of risky. I know this sounds absurd, but we do some absurd things, folks. We really do. Some people prefer dis-ease to ease because they've always known it. It's always been a part of their life. And to move from unhealthy ways to healthy ways. From dysfunction to function takes a lot of energy. And I try to have sympathy for these people because I recognize that that's true. It does take an awful lot of energy to move from unhealthy ways to health. To be healthy means that you have to be responsible. You have to work. You have to stop whining and start smiling. To be healthy means you have to be productive instead of dependent. To be healthy means you have to stand, even run, even take your pallet under your arm and walk off in faith. To to be healthy means to be a helper and not any longer helpless. Another reason some people prefer to stay unhealthy is because to remain ill costs them very little. At least they sense that to be healthy will cost them more than staying the way they are, particularly in the area of spiritual health. For you to be spiritually healthy means that you have to risk intimacy, you have to ask, you have to confess, that you have to sacrifice, you have to defer pleasure, that you have to believe. And for some people, selfishness with all the heartache that brings, they'd rather be selfish and be self-contained than to have the benefits of being spiritually healthy. It's just fact of the matter is that there are some people who like to be unhealthy because it costs too much to work out your problems. Like the old Scotsman said when he was asked if he, why he didn't become a Christian, he says, oh, if I become a Christian, I'll have to give up my beer and my pipe. And so it is that discipline and faith and obedience are difficult prices for some people to pay. Some people prefer unhealthiness because 
They like to play the poor me game. Poor me. Maybe the man at the pool played that. Poor me, he said. I've been by this pool for 38 years. The water stir. The angel touches the water. And I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. I wondered why he didn't just teeter on the edge, you know, just for, just for, hey, and they just thought launch over if necessary. But no, he waited for somebody to come and help him. And waiting on other people or blaming other people is often the pattern for people who have this poor me. After all, it's, it's, oldest, it's the oldest Adam. Adam, where are you, God says in the garden, after he had committed his sin. That is, after Adam had committed his sin. And Adam said, Lord, that woman you gave me. And not only did he blame Eve when he, not that woman you gave me, blamed God for his state. Well, I've been sitting by this pool 38 years, Lord, and nobody's helped me yet. Now, I realize I've gone through a long list and chased that rabbit maybe more than I should about why people don't want to be healed, but have I made my point? I think most of us want to be healed, at least consciously we do. Subconsciously, maybe there's a part that drags us down, but most of us want to be healed. And as you've been reading through the transformational journey and as you read through the scripture, you recognize that, that God is the author of all healing. Doctors, any doctor will recognize this, that, that he with his skills and his medicine and his surgery, all those things that they do only are instruments in the hands of God. The therapist and the psychologist certainly would recognize this, that all the tools we have to help people with their psyche and become emotionally well again are but tools of God. And certainly the pastor recognizes this. That God is the source of ultimate healing in life, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual. And we who help are only crude instruments in his hands. I think I recognize this graphically for the first time in my first pastorate. I was uh, right out of seminary in the Wise County coal fields, uh, doing mission work up in the coal fields. Had a little uh, church up there, and we had a youth retreat about a hour, hour and a half away from the church one time, and I'd been with the youth and had come back to church, I think, for Wednesday night. Found out that one of my parishioners was in the hospital, and so as I made my way back to the youth retreat, I was in a hurry. I was already behind time, and I had to make this side trip to the hospital. It was a Catholic hospital there in Norton, Virginia. Past visiting hours, the nuns let me go up. I went up to see my parishioner. She was in a room with two beds, two women in the same room. And I positioned myself between the beds, turned my back to the other person, and began to have a short conversation with my church member. And then I had a prayer with her. I was in a hurry, folks. I, I, I'd be honest with you at this point. I was just doing my duty. I was just doing my duty. As I headed for the door, the lady in the other bed, she'd been moaning and groaning the whole time. I, had, I don't think I'd even acknowledged her presence. She said to me, you a preacher? Oh, mercy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a preacher. She said, would you pray for me? So, you know, I looked at my watch. And 
went over there and held her hand. Her hand was holding the rail, gripping the rail. She was in intense pain and discomfort. I held her hand and said my little prayer. Well, I said words. I'm not sure if for me it was a prayer or not, but I said my words. And I noticed as I said my prayer, her hand relaxed and she was no longer groaning. And to be honest with you, when I said amen and looked at her, I wasn't sure what I would find. But she was snoring. And that which had been discomfort turned to comfort in her faith, in her prayer. Not mine. Mine, but words, perfunctory words spoken out of a sense of responsibility and duty. But she believed and God spoke to her and she slept. It's been 40 years and I still remember that, that God is the one who offers the healing. And I also remember with humbly, I remember that us preachers and other helpers really are just rusty instruments in his hands. And if he didn't use me, he could have used someone else. God is the source of all healing. And whatever there is in your life that's diseased, in whatever way it's diseased, God can heal. Jesus walked up to this man who'd been sick for 38 years, and the man believed. Now, this is the man's part. There had been other people standing around for years including the, the, the religious leaders of the day who would later accost him for his faith. But somehow recognizing Jesus, that this was it. Jesus commanded him to stand up. And not only did he believe, well, as evidence of his faith, he acted. He stood up. Think about this. A man who'd been sick for 38 years, an invalid for 38 years. Waiting for somebody, for something to happen. 38 years. And Jesus said, stand up, get up. And the man stood up. Now, this is not just a story of something happened 2,000 years ago. This is a story about us. Who among us has not said while we were lying on the edge of the pool. Well, I reckon I really need to talk to someone about this problem, but I think maybe tomorrow or some other time would be better. How many of you have ever never said, well, I, I really need to give up this habit, but how many of you have ever never said, I know I've got a problem with so-and-so, but... Uh, they really need to come to me. How many of you have never said, I'm sure that one day I'll have the time to... How many of you have never said, I realize I need more spiritual discipline in my life, but right now... How many of you have ever said, I know this is going to take care of itself when someone comes and helps me How many of you have never said, it seems like every time I get ahead, I stumble a little bit. 
How many of you have never said, I think I'll lose that weight after Thanksgiving or Christmas? How many of you said, you know, for some people it's just harder for them to give up? How many of you have said, I know this affair is just eating me alive and killing my family, but how many of us have never said, I know this is hurting my children, but I need, how many of us have laid on the edge of the pool and knew that we need healing? And Jesus walks up to us today as he walked up to that man 2,000 years ago. And he looks at us and he hears all of that excuses and he says to us, Do you want to be healed? And we have to cut through it. Do you want to be healed? And then he says to us, Get up. Stand up. Walk. Now. Well, the man stood up and walked. 2,000 years ago. What are you going to do? Shall we pray? Father, we say as honestly as we can, we recognize our brokenness and we want you to heal us. If by chance there are excuses we offer, Let us be aware of their foolishness and their hollowness. And this day, this day, let us hear your call to get up, to stand up, and to walk. In your name we offer our prayer. Amen.